read two scriptures and I'll let you be seated. Hebrews 1 and 3 and Amos 3 and 7. All right. Who, being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, which he hath by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of majesties on high. One more scripture, Amos 3 and 7 says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing but that he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Hallelujah. Lord, help us tonight. Lord, give us wisdom and Lord, to be able to uh, make this a lesson so that it can be easily understood and retained in the heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Something caught my eye today. Um, there was a report in June 11th in 2022. There was an asteroid. Uh, ast asteroid the size of about a soccer field, it narrowly missed Earth. Well, they're narrowly missing the 75,000 miles. But that is between us and the moon, though. That, it, <laughs> that is less than one-third of the distance to the moon and is one of the closest known approaches by an object of this size. It was only going at 23,000 miles per hour when it was spotted. The diameter was about the size of a soccer field, and but the problem was that they didn't even see this until three days after it went by. That's enough to scare you. They reported it like they knew about it all the time, but the energy released, if it would have hit um, uh, uh, the world, it would have been as, lar as a large nuclear weapon, or it would be similar to the si Siberian 1908, where it did not impact the earth, but the wind from it flattened 800 square miles of forest. And the scientist, Brian uh, Marsden, says it was a close shave. Aren't you glad that God is upholding all things by the word of his power? And we don't have to worry whether they missed it because God's got this thing under control. Hallelujah. Close shave, it wasn't even close for our Lord. And aren't you glad God's, just his word is holding everything together. We don't have to wor be worried about things like that or other events in the world. I don't worry about the environmental concerns. Now, I don't believe that you should pollute. I don't believe you should throw trash out your window or throw your garbage out in the woods. 
But God said this thing's going on. And we're going to, if you put your thinking claps on tonight, we're going to study a little bit about prophecy, end time prophecy. For our comfort and assurance, we know that God's got this thing under control. We're going to be studying in the book of Zechariah in the 11th chapter. We're going to start there. Got a lot of scriptures to go over tonight. And one reason I brought this uh, Amos 3 and 7 is because God doesn't do anything without telling us. Now, we don't maybe can't understand it all, and we can't see it all, because Paul says we look through a glass darkly. We can't see everything. I mean, we see shapes, and we get a good uh, glimpse of it, and maybe uh, an outline, and we can see some things. But God's getting ready to do some things and has done some things, and we're going to study about that tonight. Zechariah 11 and 7 says, I will feed the flock of slaughter, even you, O poor flock. And I took unto me two staves, and one I called beauty, and the other I called bands, and I fed the flock. God is so unique in his approach to try to explain to us spiritual things. He had his prophet take two Two things. And the tenth verse goes like this. And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it in sunder that it might break, that I might break my covenant, which is made with all people. And it was broken in that day, so the poor of the flock that waited on me knew that it was the word of the Lord. And I saw, I said unto them, if you think it good, give me my price, if not forbear. So they weighed my price, 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter in a goodly price. And that I was praised of them, and I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Then I cut asunder my other staff, even bands, that it might be that it might break in the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the the Bible is so rich in prophecy, we don't hear a lot about a lot of teaching on end time prophecy, basically because everybody that I know that was teaching, you know. Uh, larger names that was teaching about prophecy wanted to set a date and they were always wrong <laughs> and they so people kind of backed up from that and I don't blame them but uh, I don't believe you you should set a date because God said nobody knows the day or the hour but he said you can know the season and so we're going to talk about some season here so there were there were two staffs and the, the two staffs had Two names, each had a name, beauty and bands. The staffs were used by a shepherd to lead and to guide the flock. God used the law to guide his people during the Old Testament period. The law had many restrictions and rituals 
and is represented by the staff bands. God-given prophetical utterances cause things to happen in the spiritual realm. We don't have to wonder what this other one represents. Band represented the restrictive and the restriction of the law and the, the different things they could eat and not eat and what they could wear, what they could, could and could not do, how they could plant their gardens, everything. Galatians 4 and 3 says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son to make, made of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So the writer there is telling us there that the law had bondage. It, was, it had bands upon it, things that you could or could not do. And even James, I believe it was, that said in Acts 15 and 10, says, Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which we neither our fathers or we were able to bear? So there were bands, there were restrictions, and so that's what that represented. But beauty, on the other hand, represented Jesus Christ, the one who would liberate us from those bands and those bondages. Isaiah 61 and 1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek and hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of prison to them that are bound. So Jesus Christ came to undo the bondage of the law. You know, we all know that, but we're going somewhere here. We're going to follow this out a little bit. Beauty was broken that the Old Testament might be done away with. Remember in our text it said he took uh, beauty and cut it asunder? That cutting asunder was when Jesus died on the cross. He came to deliver those that were bound. Zechariah Back to Zechariah 11.10 says, And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder that, it might, that I might break the covenant which I had made with all people. The covenant was the Old Testament covenant. So here, all these years ago, the prophet was telling people by demonstrating two staffs. He said, this one's going to be cut, and that one's going to be cut, and it had a meaning. So, Jesus coming, his eventual death and resurrection, broke the band of the Old Testament. Not that he destroyed the law, no, but he fulfilled the law, thus breaking the bands that held man captive to the law. Isn't that wonderful? The branch. I, I do not have time to teach on this tonight, but the word of God is plain that the branch is Jesus Christ. The branch is not separate 
or separated from God, but it's part of God himself and is God himself. That's why Hebrews stated that we was he was the express image of God, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Isaiah 4 and 2 says this, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped from Israel. We're going to get into talking about Israel becoming a nation again and uh, in Zechariah here. So God's word through Zechariah, so strong is the word of God that once is prophesied, spoken by the prophet, God given, then there's nothing can stop it. It was the plan of God that beauty be cut asunder. The staff was to be cut asunder. Nothing was going to stop that once it was placed in motion. We know this because of this 12th and the 13th verse. So in Zechariah 11, 12, and 13, we have further proof that beauty was Jesus Christ. And it says this, I said unto them, if you think it good, Give me my price, if not forbear. So they weighed me my price, 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, cast unto the potter in a goodly place. And I was praised of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast it unto the potter in the house of the Lord. Now Judas had not yet been born. Yet he fulfilled this prophecy to the very letter. Not knowing or perhaps blinded in their inability to believe Jesus Christ, the priest of the law fulfilled the next part. The priest of Bams gave the exact price of the prophecy. You would think that if they knew the law or even was suspicious, they should have been at least suspicious that there's something going on. So why didn't they say, no, 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 we'll give 29 pieces of silver, or no, no, we'll give 31 pieces of silver, but no. They were blinded in such a way that they put out the exact prophecy amount, 30 pieces of silver. Hallelujah. Praise God. But in their Hatred of Jesus, they fulfilled prophecy. This is what's going to happen over and over. This is what's going to happen to the Antichrist. This is going to happen to uh, the nations, and they gather against Jerusalem. It's going to happen because they, they do not want to believe God. They don't want to believe the word of the Lord, and, and they're going to fulfill prophecy to the very letter. Hallelujah. So, Matthew 26, 15, he said unto them, What will you give me and I, that I deliver him unto you? This was Judas. And they coveted to him for 30 pieces of silver. Then Judas finally understand that he did wrong. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver and threw it down in the house of the Lord, the temple. 
Matthew 27 and 3 said, And Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And he said this, 27.4 says, saying, I have sinned in that I betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. My goodness. They just, and they, they were doctors of the law. They knew the law. They knew the moment that money was thrown down in the house of the Lord, it was fulfilling prophecy. But they were blinded. Fifth verse, and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hung himself. Praise God. Now, they wouldn't break the law. Their law says, that's blood money. I can't put that in the treasury. But they'd kill Jesus. Thou shalt not kill. They'd do that. But they, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't people that were going to break the law. Matthew 26 27, 6 says, And the chief priest took the, the silver pieces and said, It's not lawful to put this in the treasure because it's the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers. I can see them sitting around in that Sanhedrin. What are we going to do with this money? I don't know which one of them came up with the idea. Say, hey, I got an idea. We're going to put, we're going to buy the potter's field. And they again fulfilled the prophecy. Hallelujah. Wherefore the field was called the field of blood unto this day. And so the prophecy was fulfilled. Thirty pieces of silver and the potter. That's what they paid for the potter's field. Praise God. Potter's field. We don't know much about the potter, what his station in life was, whether he was a good man, a bad man, we don't know. But somehow, in the mind of God, there was a potter in his plan. Hallelujah. God is precise. He isn't a near miss. He is precise. When he said there's a potter, there's a potter. Hallelujah. So there was a potter in his plan. It was no doubt a desolate place, perhaps maybe even where he got his clay, I don't know. But it became a place to bury rejected people. One that belonged to no one and that maybe no one cared about. A place to bury strangers for the price of our Lord. Back to Zechariah. Zechariah eleven fifteen says, The Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet instruments of a foolish shepherd. And lo, for lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not, shall not, uh, and I'm missing something here. I'm missing a page. Hang on just a minute, please. It's stuck together. So he's going to raise up a a shepherd and visit those that shall be cut off and neither shall he seek young nor heal the broken nor feed that which 
standeth still, but shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear with the claws in pieces. Woe unto that idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and his right eye, and his arm shall be clean dried up, and his right arm, his right eye shall be utterly dark. I don't know everything about that. We haven't seen that to come to pass yet. I, I just wonder, though, about this evil ruler that the Lord raised up. Now, you say, well, is the Lord going to raise up? He raised up uh, Pharaoh. He said to Pharaoh, for this reason I raised you up that I might show my great works in you. And he's getting ready to rise up an evil, an evil shepherd that's going to just be about himself and about being selfish and, and, and not caring about the people. But the Bible says that uh, you've got to have some, some situations here. It's his right arm, his right eye, and uh, I just kind of wonder. And I, I don't know if this is talking about the Antichrist. It's possible it is. So let's continue on. We're still reading just straight down. We're, we're now going to uh, Zechariah 12 and 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth heavens and layeth the foundations of the earth and form the spirit of man within him. Make no mistake about this, who is talking. This is the Lord God Almighty talking through the prophet Zacharias. And the Lord that made everything, he speaks through his prophet, he tells us what's about to happen. Praise God. Now, we're, we're clear on this end of the spectrum so we can see a lot better than they could back there in that day. The second verse says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and Jeru against Jerusalem. And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdest of stone for all people. <coughs> all that burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces. So all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. It is a shocking prophecy Fulfillment to see the world lining up against Israel. United Nations in the year 2022 made more resolutions against Israel than all other nations combined. And this has been a pattern of uh, the United Nations since the day it was established. For some reason, they just have to say that Israel's wrong. They're the problem. This is, God said, I'm going to make them a burdensome stone. I'm going to make them a cup of trembling. You, they, they, they probably got so many other things to deal with. They got starvation in, 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 in Africa they, in other nations, and they got plagues. But what do they do? They said, no, we've got to do something against Israel. Why? Because God said that's getting ready to happen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it's prophecy being fulfilled. That day, everyone say that day. 
Hitler thought it was that day. He would finally destroy the Jewish people. He had the final, final uh, plan to do that. He ran up against this prophecy, though, because it wasn't that day yet. Oh, he made a big run at it, and he killed a lot of people. So did Stalin. But it wasn't that day yet. We're going to be talking about that day. The return to Israel into their land had to come first. Mathematically, it is impossible that a nation that lost its homeland ever regained it again. But the prophet said that Israel would be gathered back and become a nation again. That's what the Bible teaches. Hallelujah. God said it would be so. This is one of the strongest and surest prophecies showing that the end time is beginning to happen. Isaiah 11, 11, and there's, there's so many more. I didn't have time to put them all in here, but Isaiah 11, 11 says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord, notice that day, in that day that the Lord will set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left out of Assyria and of Egypt and Pethros and Cush and Elam and uh, Sonara and Hamath and from the islands of the sea. World War II caused the beginning of this prophecy to be fulfilled. In 1948, Israel became a nation again. Would never supposed to happen. Mathematically, it's impossible. That started a war with all the Arab nations round about Israel. And again, they thought to get rid of Abraham's children. But that day hadn't come yet. Ezekiel 36 and 24 says, For I will take you from the heathen and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land, and then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you, and you shall be clean from your filthiness and from the idols, and I will cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you shall keep my judgments to do them. <laughs> and many other scriptures that I don't have time to go into tonight proves the same thing. It was in God's plan. He said it would happen hundreds of years before, and it come to pass. Hallelujah. The fig tree, the parable of fig tree. I also don't have time to teach on this tonight, but we'll just touch on it just for a minute. Jesus himself spoke of that time, and he said this in Matthew 24 and 32. Now learn the parable of fig tree. When his branches are yet tender, he putteth forth his leaf, leaves. You know that summer is nigh. Likewise, ye, when you see all these things, know that is near even at the door. That was the parable of the fig tree. Israel is the fig tree. Israel is, is denoted as the fig tree here. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, he was cursing Israel when, when they rejected him. 
But now he said it's gonna, he's going to turn again to them. That day, that day will not be until all nations are gathered together in, against Jerusalem. Many historians and scholars say this already happened. But this cannot be because that day had not yet come. Zechariah 14 and 2. For I will gather all nations to battle and the city shall be taken and the house ravaged and the women uh, rifled and the women ravished and half the city shall go into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. The fourth verse. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite the horses with astonishment and the riders with madness, and I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah and smite every horse of the people with blindness. So even the animals are going to be affected on this day. They're not going to do what they're told or they're commanded to or what they're uh, or, or uh, positioned to do. They're going to do what God tells them to do. The writers are going to lose their ability to think rationally. How do you fight against a God like, that can do that? You can't. If the world would just wake up and say, you know what? Maybe we ought to pay attention to this God that has the power over these things. The strength of Israel, suddenly God will give great strength to Israel. You think that the world has seen great military leaders like Churchill. You haven't seen anything yet compared to what God's going to do. He says, he says this in Zechariah 12 and 5, And the governors of Judah shall, be, shall say in their heart, To the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts their God. And in that day, notice that day, in that day, I will make the governors of, the, of, of Judah like a hearth of fire among wood and like a torch of fire in the sheaves. And they should devour all the people round about on the right hand and the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in his own place in Jerusalem. Strong? You haven't seen anything yet when you compare it to what God's going to do. In that day, the Lord shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He shall he that is feeble among the among them shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God and as angels of the Lord before them. We're talking about some. We're talking about a nation of Samsons and, and, and maybe Stansons on steroids when God gets ready to do that day. With their physical eyes, they shall see Jesus. This is Israel. They're going to see him, and they're going to, they're going to look upon him. Zechariah 12 and 10 says, and I will pour out on the house of David upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for only son, that and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitterness for his, for his firstborn. That day, on that day, 
when Jesus comes riding out of that cloud on that white horse, and they they see him, and he 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 defeats all the nations of the world, and they're going to look on him and they're going to wonder, who are you? And he's going to say, he said, I'm that one that you crucified. I'm your Messiah. And it's going to dawn on them. We killed our Messiah. And they're going to begin to weep. Hallelujah. Zechariah 13 and 11, or 13 and 1 says, in that, in that day there shall be a fountain opened up in the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. God's going to do a, a house keeping, uh, keeping and sweep out the idols. Hallelujah. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, the second verse here, that I will cut off the name of the idols out of the land and they shall no more remember. Also, I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirits to pass out of the land. Oh, what a revival. Can you imagine that happening in America right now? God just got rid of all the, the idols and all the false prophets and all the people that didn't want to serve him. It's all gone. Hallelujah. Swept out of the land. Now, to me, it doesn't sound like the Dome of the Rock has much future. When we went to Israel, my wife and I, and uh, the uh, prayer uh, force of the United Pentecostal Church, they happened to be there with us, and we went up on top of the mount, uh, the Dome of the Rock. That's the, that's the Islamic uh, holy place now. And we went up there, and our leader decided to pray. You're not supposed to pray up there. But we began to pray for those people. And very shortly, we got very, some very angry people, and they kicked us off of that, that temple mount. Hallelujah. When Jesus comes back, he's going to do some kicking too. And it's going to be... Some idols. That fountain came from repentance. That fountain did, didn't, didn't just happen. Israel saw who their Messiah was. They repented that they had killed their Messiah. And because of that, Zechariah 13 and 6 says, they're going to say this, and one shall say unto him, What are the wounds in thy hands? And then he will answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. They're going to look at some nail-scarred hands, and they're going to wonder, where did you get those wounds? Who did this to you? And he's going to say, you, you did. Your nation did. And then they're going to repent. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is the prophecy about beauty that was quoted by Jesus himself. You see, I didn't just pick this out and say, oh, this is what I think it meant. Jesus alluded to this, Matthew 26 and 31. Then said Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. 
abroad. Hallelujah. So he prophesied that he he quoted scripture from that in, from Zechariah there. So this is going to cause a time of trouble for Israel. Now, in prophecy, what happens is the prophet is prophesying long along, and then pretty soon he'll back up and he'll start back over here and tell you a little bit more about the story, just like you we do today in the newspaper. You get this big headlines, you know. Uh, somebody stole a million jawbreakers, you know. It, that's, the, that's the big thing, you know. So they go back over here and said, now, this is what happened. It was Johnny. He 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 snuck into the, and he, he's got all these, and then they'll tell you about how he got sick about it and, then, and then how he got caught about it. And the prophecy does the same thing. So we're going to go backwards here. Zechariah 13 and 8, and it shall come, pa- come to pass. That in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but a third shall be left therein. So when this is happening, now Jesus had not yet come. He hadn't come out to destroy the nations. There's this big war, and Israel is losing. I would say if you lost two-thirds of your nation, you're losing. So they lost two-thirds. And then he said, I will bring a third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call on my name. They're going to, when they start losing, they're finally going to get religious, and they're going to start calling on God. Well, they don't know who he is yet because he hadn't come out of the clouds, but they're going to call on God, and God's going to hear them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved doesn't mean they're saved eternally. That means they're going to be delivered. He's going to hear their cry, and he's going to come. Hallelujah. Praise God. 14 and 1, behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils divided in the midst of thee. Two-thirds will be uh, Will, will be destroyed. We're told and we understand that God knows how to save one individual in the midst of a crowd if that's what it takes. Now, there's a lot of people in Israel, a lot of Abraham's children that no more believe in God than anything else. I believe, this is my personal opinion, that's going to be part of the two-thirds. The people who begin to call on his name are going to come through that, that time of, it's called the Jacob's trouble. Hallelujah. Amos 9 and 9 says, For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations like corn is sifted in a sieve, yet not the least grain shall fall to the earth. God said, look, because Israel sinned, because of their idol worship, because of the rebellion, I'm going to cast them all throughout the earth, but not the least of the ones that want to serve me are going to fall to the ground. I'm going to keep them. I'm going to take care of them. And, you know, we have that same promise. I'm not going to say that nothing bad will ever happen to good people. That It does. We all die sooner or later if the Lord don't come. But God's still able to keep us. But he, he doesn't have to just keep us in this world. He can bring us right through the gates of death and on the other side. 
Hallelujah. And he can keep us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Friend, it is Jesus that is coming. Make no mistake about that. Revelations 19 and 11 says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He that sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knows but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood. Where did that happen? Happened that, that battle. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goes sharp sword, that with it he might smite the nations, that he shall rule with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture on his side a name written, King of kings, Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Swinging back to Zechariah 14 and 2 says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. God's going to do this. Not going to be the politicians. Not going to be somebody with a lot of money. It's going to be God. God said to Gog and Magog, I'm going to draw you down. I'm going to put a hook in your jaw, and I'm going to bring you down. And, uh, that I, and he's going to destroy Gog and Magog, and they're going to leave only a sixth of their army left. And so it says, we might think that, man might think that they're the ones doing this, but that's not what's going to happen. God is going to draw these mighty armies. I have been to Israel and looked over that valley. It's the largest valley in the world, the only one that they know that could fit all the armies of the world. And they're going to gather there. Make no mistake, it's the Lord that's fighting for Israel. Zechariah 14 and 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations. Hallelujah. As when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet, you got to get this, his feet. Whose feet? Jesus' feet. Shall stand in that day upon Mount Olives, in which was before Jerusalem, on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and the west, and there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove to the north and half to the south. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why is that important? Well, because Jesus led his disciples outside of Jerusalem one day to a place called Mount Olives. In Acts 1 and 10 it says, And while they looked steadfastly to heaven as he went up, behold, two, two men stood by them in white apparel, and they asked them, they said unto you, men of Galilee, why are you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which you saw taken up from you from heaven, shall so come in like manner as you see it going to heaven. Where's he coming back to? He left Mount Olives. He's coming back to Mount Olives. Hallelujah. The angels said, those are two men were angels. 
They said, he's coming back right here. That's what's going to happen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so they returned they to Jerusalem from Mount called Olivet. The rest of the world might not see it or might not. They may or may not see it. I don't know. Uh, there's some scriptures saying that everybody, I will see them, but that may not be at this particular time. Zechariah 14 to 5 says, and you shall flee into the valley of the mountain. That mountain split. God made a place for Israel to flee into there, and they're going to flee in. And they're going to, and uh, it goes on to say, and, and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Oh, my goodness. This is where it gets exciting. Hallelujah. I think we're on the wrong scripture up there. I am on the fifth, still on the fifth verse. Okay. Jesus is coming. He just said it again. The Lord, my God, not another, shall come. And all the saints with him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here comes I don't know when we went up. I'm, I, you know, there's there's a lot of thought about that, pre, post, mid. All I know is, at this point, we're coming back with him. I can say that because the book says that. I, in my opinion, don't matter, but the but the book says that we'll be coming back, and we're going to stop. We're going to be with him when he stops that war. Isn't that exciting? We're going to be in the wrap-up. Hallelujah. Praise God. The last, the last round, the 10th round. Hallelujah. When we knock them out. Hallelujah. It's going to be our power. It's going to be his power. But we get to be there with him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now the sixth verse. And it shall come to pass in that day that light shall not be clear or dark, but... It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, not of day or night. But it shall come to pass that at evening there shall be light. That scripture has been beat up a lot, talking about revival, everything. That's great. But, friend, this is talking about something else. Acts 2 and 17 says, And shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out my spirit in that day, and they shall prophesy. And I will show, here we go, wonders in heaven, signs in the earth, beneath blood, fire, vapor, smoke, and the sun shall be darkened, and the moon into blood before that great and noble day of the Lord come. So somewhere in here, it's going to be a different day. It's going to be a day where it's not clear and it's not dark. But it's the day known to, unto the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know how he's going to do it. Maybe he's going to just say, okay, let's just take about this much of the sun off. You take a vacation. I don't know how he's going to do it. But he has the power to do that. 
He has the power to stop, stop the earth and move it backwards. He's done it before. Hallelujah. Zechariah. Zechariah 14 and 8. It shall come, shall be in that day. That living waters shall go forth out of Jerusalem. Half of them towards the former sea and half of them towards the hinder sea. In summer and winter it shall be. I, I realize that there's probably a spiritual uh, connotation to this too. But I believe there's going to be a literal river come out from the throne of God and it's going to make Israel blossom like a rose. Who is that Lord that shall reign? Zechariah 14 and 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. In that day shall... There be one Lord and his name one. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a revelation that's going to be. The word of God, king of kings, Lord of lords, the one who has the wounds that they see. Who is that? Jesus. Hallelujah. He's going to be Lord, king of over all the earth. Zechariah 14, 11, and men shall dwell in it. And there should be no more utter destruction in Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Finally, the prophet swings back one more time. And it shall be, this shall be the plague wherein the Lord shall smite the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand on their feet and their eyes shall consume away in their holes and their tongue shall be consumed away in their mouth. I'm sure glad I'm going to have my new body at that time. I don't have to worry about that. Hallelujah. I don't know what that is. I don't know how God's going to do it. Praise God. But I do know this, that he doesn't need man. He doesn't need a nuke. He doesn't need a, 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 some kind of biological chemical. He doesn't need any of that. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's going to be kind of hard to fight against somebody when you can't see no more. And your, your flesh starts falling off of you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Zechariah 14 and 13. It shall come to pass in that day that there's going to be a great tumult from the Lord and shall be among them and they shall lay hold every man on the hand of his neighbors and their hands shall rise up against the hands of a neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver, apparel and abundance, and so shall be the plague of the horses and the mules and the camels and the asses and the, and the beasts that are in the tents as the plague. 16th verse. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of the nations, there's going to be people left. We'll be here with the Lord Jesus. We'll have our new bodies, uh, incorruptible, hallelujah, like his. But there will be people left. I did a little research. I don't know how solid this is, but they, according to all the things that happened in Revelations, there'll be 58% of the world will be decimated. And what will be left will be just a few that's left. 
some in every nation. Hallelujah. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which, which came against Jerusalem shall even go up year to year to worship the Lord, worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. That's a, an interesting study when you study out the feasts of the Lord, feasts that God gave Israel. Zechariah 14 and 20, in that day <laughs> shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord, and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts, and all that sacrifice shall come and take them and seethe in them and in that day there shall be no more Canaanites in the land in the house of the Lord of hosts. So trying to undo the cutting of the sunder of the staff. The world can twist. The world can lie. The world can try to bribe. But there's nothing they can do to stop that from being broken because of because of the prophecy and indeed it happened and nothing that is prophesied here can be stopped the die is already cast the wheels already in motion the only question is which side will you be on verse 8 Zechariah 11 and 8 three shepherds also will I cut off in one month and my soul lo loathed them. That word loathed means hates them. And their soul abhorreth me. What are these three? Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of contention about what these three are. But one of the ones that come to the forefront is the priesthood, the dictatorship of the Sanhedrins and Pharisees and Sadducees, and, uh, and all the smaller councils. God's going to end that. Why? Because he's going to be king. He's going to be over it all. Hallelujah. Jesus will be king. Hebrews 3 and 6. And Christ as a son over his own house. Who house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and rejoice in hope until the end. This world is going on for a thousand years, folks. No matter what the environmentalists say. God is not going to let this thing implode. The saints will rule and reign with him for a thousand years according to the word of God. Revelation 20 and 4, and I saw thrones, and then they sat on, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the word of God, which, was not, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their forehead or in their hand. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Well, we won't go on what's going to happen after that. That's for another lesson. But can I tell you, that if God can change the heart of Israel, he can change your heart too. No matter what you're struggling with. No matter what your heart the Bible said, Paul said, I got a problem. He says, when I would do good, 
I want to do good, but I don't. That sounds pretty human to me. You know, you can clean, clean yourself up just as much as you want, but you're not going to be perfect. You have to have his perfectness to be perfect. I'd like to think that we have the ability to do thing, enough things, enough righteous things, enough reading the word, enough praying, enough seeking God, enough fasting, and all these other things, that someday that I'd get to that point where I'd have it. Folks, the Bible says that I'm going to need his righteousness to make it. And I, Bible still, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. I don't care how, how much Holy Ghost you got, your heart is deceitfully wicked. And it's going to want its way, and it's going to try to get its way every way it can. But the Bible says only God can change the heart. Hallelujah. Shall we stand? I hope this made sense tonight. I know it's a lot of scripture. I struggle with giving that many. But prophecy is not an easy thing to teach. Hallelujah. But maybe it will cause you to start digging. That's what I prayed for. Did you start digging, get excited about the word of God, get excited about prophecy, and maybe just, just really get in there and start digging it out. I believe God wants us to do that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to give us the time just to come before the Lord, and, and if you want to be right where you're at and pray, that's fine. As they're starting to sing and play the musical instruments, praise God.